It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Big show lined up for you. Uh, Dirk, I think this is the first time we're going to go three turns in quite some time. Yeah, it's... uh... You know, well, we don't go to Pocono, but twice a year, so it's right. not that big a deal. Yep. Uh, turn number one, we're going to cover the headlines. Uh, unfortunately, we have a couple of passings in the area we got to talk about. Turn number two, uh, Crawford County Speedway Sportmont track champion Buddy Ray Jones will join us to talk about his first ever two-time winning season and first ever track championship that came at the Crawford County Speedway in 2021. And then in turn number three, we're going to talk with Jimmy Judd. Boy, I had a good time talking with him. <laughs> He's a character. He is a character. And of course, I don't mean to say that we didn't have fun talking to Bud. He's always fun to talk to because he's, I think he's right up there in the character realm that we love to see in the pits uh, and around the racetrack. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for those two interviews. Uh, unfortunately, we got to start out the show with some really, really tough news. Brandon Saltzman, who we have been uh, pushing and trying to promote the uh, chili feed coming up next weekend uh, or the f- January 15th. Uh, unfortunately passed away on Monday, January 3rd after a uh, long battle with brain cancer, but a short battle with a new diagnosed brain cancer. Uh, Brandon passed away late Monday night. I, I think you text me sometime around nine o'clock. I was going to say it was between nine and 10 was when I saw the first one on Facebook. And then I started seeing them all over the place. And I finally ran across one from his mother. So yeah. You know, we've always been cautious about that stuff. You know, what we talk about, especially in any type of, you know, bad situation such as this. Right. Right. Yeah. I did the same thing when you text me. I was kind of thumbing through all the posts. And as soon as I saw his mom's, that, that kind of confirmed it for me. Because, you know, sometimes people just word things poorly and, and or get misinformation. Then it gets spread around too quickly. Um, but uh yeah, that's uh, it's 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 a tough week for the race community. Uh, Tia Kaziski did set up a GoFundMe account to help offset some of the costs of the funeral. Uh, as we record, five thirty on Tuesday night, it's already at thirty six, thirty seven hundred dollars. Uh, a lot of great people donated to that. I will share that out on the Front Stretch Facebook page. Be very careful. Make sure you only donate to the one that is uh, created by Tia Kaziski. Uh, unfortunately, there are skim of the earth out there that will try to uh, steal some good hard-earned money. You can also donate uh, by heading to, uh, let me find the post again from Tia, uh, the I-80 Speedway office. You Correct. can uh, drop off cash there, 5040 I Street in Omaha, 68117. Uh, the I-80 door is the one on the right side of the building. You can uh, donate there. And I highly suggest you go and donate that way. Uh, as, as great as GoFundMe is, they're an operation, they're an organization. They take a little cut of it, uh, which infuriates me, but I also understand it because they're a business that's trying to run. Uh, so well, I, want, do, I do believe you end up paying taxes on that money too, on the income. I would, I would assume so. Um, yeah. So if you want to uh, donate straight cash, just head down to the IED Speedway offices. You can do that. Do, you can do so. Tia did mention to me in conversations earlier today that they are going to continue uh, with the chili feed that will be turned into a memorial chili feed that will uh, help again, raise money. So you better believe the, uh, the front stretch will be out there. I know I'm, I'm excited to be out there. 
and I, I assume, uh, I guess I haven't asked you, or I, I think you would mention you were going to try to make it out there. Yeah, I'm planning on going. I mean, he was a great young man. Um, you know, it's, he's gone too soon, plain and simple. I, I'm going to kind of a, approach it as a celebration of life type thing. Yeah. And uh, even with my health problems, watching him fight was an inspiration for me. I don't know about others, but it was for me. Yeah, he, he took on a, a very rare brain disease, and, man, he took it on with gusto. Yeah, I mean, he he did everything he could. You know, I I can't take a dime from that guy. I mean, it, he's an amazing young man. That's all you can say. Yep. The Chili Feed again will be January 15th. That is the same day as the Chili Bowl race, and that will be broadcast live at the Chili Feed for Brandon Saltzman. There's going to be drinks, uh, chili bowl pools, 50-50 raffles, oh, so much more. Find it online. Brandon's Chili Fundraiser. We've been sharing it on the Front Stretch page for the last couple of weeks. Make sure to go find it, like it, uh, and plan on being there. <clears throat> Let's pack this place and, and really show uh, the community what we're all about. Uh, so, again, that's Saturday, January 15th, starting at 5 o'clock. All the information, the who, what, where, when, why, how, that's all going to be found there uh, at uh, – at the Brandon's Chili Fundraiser. Well, just be sure that you get over whatever this crap is that you're fighting right now before you yeah. come out in the public. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm hunkering down until I get my COVID test back. So I think I got the next couple of days off, uh, which is just going to get me caught up on computers. Um, also lost uh, CJ Rayburn, who was a uh, longtime chassis and engine builder uh, in the Midwest. And, uh, we were talking last night with Jimmy Judd. He thought, which way was it? We said he was a chassis builder and she, and Jimmy said, no, he's a, he's an engine builder. Well, he was also an engine builder because we talked about the fact that he was also a driver. He's actually, I think he went into the, uh, national dirt track hall of fame and I could be mistaken on this. So if, if I'm wrong, anybody don't take it offense, but I think he's actually in for his chassis building skills. I would trust your memory over mine. And I think a lot of people who listen to the show on a regular basis would do that also. Um, yeah, there were a lot of guys in the area um, that ran his cars. I know uh, John Hample ran a lot of his cars and was a big proponent of the young man. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a loss to the racing community. I don't know how active he's been as of late. I think he was 80 years old, but uh Still, you know, anytime yeah. anybody disappears out of the racing community, it's not good. It's a, it's, um, it leaves a, leaves a mark, definitely. Uh, the Midwest Madness Tour, presented by Western Iowa Racing Results, announced their 2022 race schedule. We shared it out on the Fred Stretch Facebook page, so you can find it there. But here's the details. Worthington Speedway in Worthington, Minnesota, will be the opening night Sunday, June 26th. We'll then move to the Clay County Fair Speedway in Spencer, Iowa on Monday, June 27th. Buena Vista Raceway in Alta, Iowa will be race number three on Tuesday, June 28th. Shelby County Speedway, Harlan, Iowa will be stop number four. That's going to be on Wednesday, June 29th. And then the series will conclude at Stewart Speedway in Stewart, Iowa on Thursday, June 30th. Uh, IMCA Modifieds and Stock Cars racing for 1,000 to win, 150 to start for the Modifieds, 125 to start for the Stock Cars. Sport Mods are racing a 500 to win. Uh, hobby Stocks are racing for 400 to win, and Sport Compacts are racing for 200 to win. Uh, more details still to be announced, but uh, it's great to see some schedules starting to pop up. We talked last week about Eagle and I-80, and, and now we're starting to get some touring series. 
And for all of you Sunset Speedway fans, I see a lot of people on the I Miss Sunset Speedway page. Get up to that race uh, at the Beaver in Alta at Buena Vista Raceway on that Tuesday night. I've been to a lot of racetracks, and that is the closest thing I've ever seen to Sunset Speedway. Oh, yeah. So, well, maybe since it's a Tuesday night, maybe I can get up there. It's a good drive, but I mean, I went up there. Their normal racing nights are Wednesday nights, but I, I went up on a Wednesday a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, I know they've switched promoters since then. But it was a a good show, well run show. Um, decent car count but uh i think it got over the show got i think it went from 7 to 10 or 6 30 to 10 but uh you know uh if you really want to see old sunset speedway go up there yeah again that's going to be tuesday june 28th the midwest madness tour presented by western iowa racing results starts sunday june 26th at worthington speedway Moves on to Clay County Fair Speedway on Monday, Buena Vista Raceway on Tuesday, Shelby County Speedway on Wednesday, and then it concludes Thursday, June 30th at Stewart Speedway. Uh, not a lot of news to talk about other than that. Uh, earlier on Tuesday, Drew Blickensturfer was announced as the new crew chief for Eric Amarola at, uh, Eric Amarola at Stewart Haas Racing. So we got and, that to look forward to. And I did see that... Uh... Evidently, Bubba Wallace has landed a new sponsor. I didn't get into the article, but the, it said the company was, I think it's pronounced Lido, L-E-I-D-O. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure a whole lot about the company, um, what they do or anything like that. It was you know, kind of like when Hisense come in, you know, had no idea what it was, you know. They put yeah. Subway on the side of the car. I know what that means, you know, or Taco Bell <laughs> or McDonald's. Well, there's great opportunities uh, for for people to learn what they are uh, and, um, you know, highly suggest that. As we always say, go out there and support those that are supporting dirt racing. I know I've I've got a great response off of a lot of people in the community after sponsoring uh, a couple of cars in the sport compacts at I-80. And I greatly appreciate the business. And uh, so I always try to do that if I know. First thing I know is if I need something done around the house, plumbing, electrical, you know, whatever who can I call that's that supports racing? And, and that's the first step stop. Everyone always needs to make sure and do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you had, uh, uh, way back when I know you had home pride doing some roofing work for you. And I know you had Terry hurt, I think do some concrete work for you, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I know Pat Eccles does all your, uh, HVAC stuff. So yes, he does, I gave him a break after making him come over and fix my heater on uh Christmas day. So I gave him a break for a little bit, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, go out and support those, uh, those that are supporting the race community. We we always do appreciate it. Um, I think that's going to do it for turn number one. Uh, anything we missed Dirk? Uh, not that I'm aware of, um, okay. but stay, stick around folks for the uh, rest of the show. I've got two good interviews. Absolutely. Right. Buddy Ray Jones coming up in turn number two. By the way, these are both recorded live at Quaker Steak and Lube, so it's going to sound just a little bit different when we come back. Uh, and then in turn number three, Jimmy Judd also sat down with us last night at Quaker Steak and Lube and did some interviews. Don't forget to join us next Monday for the uh, Eagle Raceway Track Champions interviews. Uh, that's moving forward for now. <laughs> we'll see what happens with, with my, uh, my illness, but uh, the plan is moving forward. We're going to be doing that. And then I also plan on completing the triple atomic challenge at Quaker steak and loop for all the people that donated to the Alzheimer's association earlier this year, when I was doing my big annual drive. So that's you all coming have up. Done that. 
He should have done that last night. That might have cured you. <laughs> I tried. Sarah got me this Elijah's Extreme Hot Sauce for Christmas off of Amazon. And I uh, I put it on a uh, on a steak quesadilla. Uh, and it, oh my God, it hurt. Oh my God, I'm in so much trouble with this Triple Atomic Challenge. That, that hot sauce, I don't even think is half the heat that the Triple Atomic Challenge is at Quaker Steak. And that hurts so bad. And it still hurt today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Buddy Ray Jones and Jimmy Judd just around the corner. Join us January 10th at Quaker Steak and Lube for the Eagle Raceway Track Champions interview. This has been the Front Stretch. We'll be right back. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe's Carding.com for more information. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus $4 luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all you can eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch. Rolling into turn number two. Brought to you by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to the Lube today and enjoy yourself some great food. Burgers, steaks, wings, sandwiches. Pizza. Pizza also uh, featuring one of my good friends, Papa Rico's Sauce. You can, uh, like I mentioned, enjoy all of that great food at Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs. And joining us on the show now is your 2021 Crawford County Speedway track champion, Buddy Ray Jones. Congratulations, man. Kind of shocked you to say that, did it? Well, I mean, I've given you plenty of grief. But, yes, it was a little surprising. I mean, you went how many years and, and got one win in your career? Yep, 2011, and then here we are, 2021, popping off two wins yeah. with an average of 4.2 finishing each night, and here we are, a champion. Yeah, great job on that. Congratulations. Ten top fives, 14 top tens, uh, perfect attendance, which is something that is getting to be a bit of a rarity these this this time of year well these these times it's it's really hard to have perfect attendance when a lot of times you can go to a special at another track that pays more to start the feature than it pays to win the feature at that track right but with covid and the pandemic and the supply chain with parts and stuff like that we just decided to hold out for crawford county and funny we didn't even plan on racing there weekly we had a brand new car a 2020 Razor, and we went there, and I told my crew guy, Joe, he's like, you know, I think I'm just going to ride around on the tail, just kind of have fun, just kind of feel it out. And he's like, then why did we come here? <laughs> he's like, just go ahead and start where, and I think I started like second or third row outside, and then we won the darn thing. And I remember Kevin Brock, he was, he was in tears. He went up, and I think anybody over 40 was excited to see someone <laughs> over 40 actually win a feature. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you kind of talked about that. At Crawford County, it, you know, it, it was the first track I got to work at, thanks to you. I know you pulled a lot of strings getting me hired there. Uh, and you probably pulled a lot of strings keeping me hired there for quite a, quite a few weeks. But a great track, fantastic racetrack, uh, great facility, located just in Denison, Iowa. I don't think they get enough uh, credit, credit for, for what they're doing down there. Uh, and, and it's good to see more, more, more uh, cars uh, giving them some love. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think Crawford County Speedway... Like you said, there in Denison, I think it's kind of a hidden gem here in the Midwest. Beautiful facility, rail ran. Hot laps are at 7.30. We start racing at 8. Uh, actually, it might be 7.30, but either way, 7.30, 8 o'clock, we start racing, and we're usually done by 9.30, 10 o'clock. We're in, we're out. The fans are great. Facility's great. Obviously, I didn't have a problem there this year, but <laughs> I showed up every night, too. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one night, and it was no fault of Crawford County's. It was uh, opening night. And I think maybe 18 drivers pre-registered. It was a total of like 215 that ended up showing up. I don't think we got started racing until about 9.15. And we threw the final checkered flag at like 1.35 in the morning. Uh, and, and that was a bit of a long, rough night. I remember those days. Yeah. At least there's no curfew. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was conversation about that, but I think the current, impl- current people didn't care. No. The people no, that were running the track at not the time at did not care. Uh, in a great stance. Well-supported track by the fans there, too. Absolutely. Uh, I haven't been able to get down there very often because they race in the same night that I-80 does. But now with a couple of open nights as the I-80 schedule came out, maybe I'll be able to get down to Crawford and see it. How is the crowd attendance? You know, I, I think the crowd in 2020 was pretty good. I think that 2021, the crowd tapered off a little bit, but you had a lot going on. Things were opening back up. I think Ironically, I, in 2020, I think COVID helped the, the dirt track scene a little bit. A lot of places were shut down 50%. Now, all of a sudden, you could go to the track, so people went. But, you know, just for entertainment options, when more things opened up in 2021, well, the crowd went down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, just 2021 alone, I don't know if you guys realize this, but in 142 years of weather record keeping in Omaha, this is the hottest year on record. And I think so it's been that, like that for the last three years, hasn't it? Yeah. Like every the, year just keeps getting hotter. This year was actually hotter. pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it was a rough year. Um, talk a little bit about uh, some of the other nights. Uh, actually, let me ask you. I was thinking about asking you this. They went to the $1,000 pay for a couple of classes. Uh, well, for all the classes, but they would select a night. Uh, what did you think about that? <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know if I would do it. If yeah. I was a track promoter, I don't know if I would do it. I, I understand what they're trying to do, but when you do a special like that and you just have so many of these tracks book specials on top of each other. They're not really working with each other. They're competing with each other. But when you're trying to do a $1,000 to win show one night, there was severe thunderstorms and tornadoes five miles from the track. Of course, nobody's going to show up. It is what it is. I can't help that. Uh, the other two nights, I think 141 had a $10,000 to win show. Mm. We're three hours away, I believe, from 141. So when you don't have the checkbook that 141 Speedway does, why are you trying to compete against a mega power? Yeah. You're not really bringing in that many cars. And then what I've also seen is that when you do these big specials, name a track, not just Crawford County, you see a lot of out-of-towners come in 
quote unquote take the money, leave, well then you've got your people that are there every week, week in and week out supporting the track and what are they gaining by it? Yeah. I, and I saw it as kind of a penalty to a lot of the guys that were there on a weekly basis supporting the track weekly because these new guys that came in and raced by IMCA points, they get to start up front. So yep. if a Kelly Shryock decides, well, I'm going to go down and run for $1,000 at Crawford County Speedway, I'm starting up front already. And yeah. you've got some heavy hitters that are going to come for $1,000, and all of a sudden they're going to start in front of the guys that are there supporting the track on a weekly basis. Yeah, but that's an easy fix. You just don't sanction the race. And I, th- I, I do think those $1,000 to win races, the one silver lining in that dark cloud is it what you just said. It brings the heavy hitters. So people are like, well, Bud, you, you won the championship because you were there every night. Okay, was I supposed to stay home? Of course I was there every night. I can't control who shows up. But when the heavy hitters show up and I can run with those heavy hitters, it's also letting me know where I stand with those heavy hitters. So, you know, I, I beat some really good guys. I got my butt whooped by some really good guys. So it wasn't all bad. I just don't know for a track like that if I would do $1,000 win specials. Yeah. I don't think they're doing them in 2022. I don't think they're doing them this year. I didn't. Uh, the only thing I've seen from them is just they released their tentative schedule, that key word that we got to make sure and push. Oh, yeah. Tentative schedule, subject to change. Um, and that it seems like the schedule in 22 is going to be ending a little bit earlier than it did this year. Yeah, I don't believe there's any racing in August. And as I'm starting to see these dirt tracks, I-80, you look at I-80, you would think their their schedule's really big, and it is a really big schedule. But did you count how many NASCAR weekly point shows there are? 12. Yeah. You know how many shows are at Denison? Point shows? 13. Hmm. It, it's actually decreased. The specials are still there, but the weekly points racing is not. And I think maybe some of that's due to the high cost of running a track. And the, these promoters, they don't want to see us forking out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to fill these dirt cars. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a sign of the times, the, the cost of the times. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, I don't know about Eagle. I haven't seen their schedule. or, or Their schedule is pretty much the same. Pretty much, yeah, it usually is. You're not Roger, gonna get... Roger's pretty pretty <laughs> predictive on Somebody that. Somebody said to me one night, you know, you ought to talk to Roger about taking the... Na-, and I said, just hold on. Yeah. You can stop there. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Roger Hayden will not take a night off. He starts in April. He ends in September. And you're going to raise... The only way that's getting in, in the way is Mother Nature. And that's... Even that's going to be a fight. Hey, but this year in 2022, we have late models. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to go watch that. I know. One, we got one late model show on the schedule, but... Baby steps, baby steps. Well, Maybe I remember when it. they had them weekly when yeah. I was baby, yeah. you know, in 85. Yeah, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see uh, if I-80 Speedway adds any schedules, because like you mentioned, they, they trim back on their NASCAR nights, but they also trim back on several sched- several specials. And so they're down from 34 races in 20, scheduled 34 races in 21 to uh, 26 races in, in 22. So Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Now, no. Except most notably, the Charlie Clark Memorial race is gone. Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, most notably, but yeah, it could still be added. So, I do know 2021 was a huge learning year. I've probably learned more in this one year than I have in the last 10 years combined about dirt track racing. Yeah. I thought about this. We've all, shoot, I've been one to talk about the, the cost of racing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've never been a a, a car owner or a driver, and I'm just as guilty as the next three guys in line behind me, but 
you go down to the pitch and you're like, well, I can't compete with this guy because he's got a $50,000 race operation and I'm out here with a $2,200 operation. Well, after a while, I, th I thought this year, here I, I went out, I, I went to Bristol, had a great year. I got 27,500 invested in my car. Well, I have 27,500 invested in the car. I've never hid behind it. Me personally, probably 16,500. So the rest of it was sponsors. And I actually told one young, young up-and-comer in the sport mod division, actually that races at I-80, I told him, I was like, I have sponsors. I've worked my tail off to get where I'm at. But because you don't either A, want to spend money, or B, you don't want to spend the time looking for sponsorship, I'm supposed to see, you know, just take a back seat and run lesser equipment so you can have a chance to compete. And that's the one thing I did learn this year. If you're going to compete in in dirt track racing, whether it be a sport compact, a late model, or sprint car, if you think you're going to get into this cheap, ain't going to happen. No. You can, sure, you can go out and buy those $2,500, $3,000 cars, um, and they might have been competitive in northwestern Arizona where there's only one track within four hours, but if you draw a circle around the Iowa-Nebraska area, pick a class, you're going to have to spend some money mm -hmm. if you want to be competitive. That's all there is to it. You know, Dirk, Dirk's maybe three years older than I am. So, Dirk, when you go back to the 1980s and 90s, when you looked at the cost of racing then back, then people were talking about how the sport was too expensive. We're, we're doing it now. The sport's too expensive. It's always been too expensive. So I, I just tell people, you know, there's some vanity things that we buy for the car. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I just spent $1,300 for a helmet blower at the PRI show. Do I need it? No. But it blows air into my seat. And so, in the middle of July, when you're on your uh, 25th lap, you're thinking, I'm kind of glad I made that purchase. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I went ahead and I, I got it. I treated myself. Do you need it? No. But you, you better, I'm not saying you have to have top notch, best of the best equipment. But I think a lot of guys and women that are in the sport think they can go buy a 15, 20 year old car, once again, regardless of class, go, go run up front. You might be able to do that, but only if your name's Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, or something like that. Well, even those guys, though, they, they may not be able to make that car work because no. you get a chassis that's 10 years old, it's been in a heck of an accident, straightened out, and I don't know how many times in a season, the thing's not going to react the way it's supposed to. No. I don't know how many guys have told me in the pits later, I, I say, now why'd you go and buy yourself a new car? Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, though, it's so weird that when I... I think it was Jim Blazina that told me this. He said, I finally went and bought myself a new car. And he goes, Dan, it's the weirdest feeling in the world that when I make an adjustment that makes sense in my head, it actually makes sense in the car. And it <laughs> reacts the way it's supposed to. Funny thing about that. Very first night at Denison, we're in the feature. Uh, no, we're in the heat race. I went from second or third in the heat race to dead last by a straightaway in the heat race. And about spun the car out four times in the, on the front straightaway, but went head first into the wall. Mm -hmm. And what do I do an hour later? I win the feature. It, I had a new car. Uh, the only person I know that could take an older car and maybe run up front would be that guy right there. I'm, I'm, I'm eluding to Jimmy Judd. Yeah. As his buddies over there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I just, I tell people, Calm down. Be patient. It took me 27 years to get where I'm at. You know, so my next championship will happen when I'm at, what, 80? 
<laughs> by my 65, 80, 70, something like when that. When you're Glenn years. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to be past the Glenn Roby years. <laughs> so it, it was a fun year. I had a blessed year. Um, good sponsors behind me, an incredible wife that lets me do what I want, what I want, however I want. She's a saint for being married to me. Uh, it's just been an all-around great year. And uh, I know a lot of people complain about 2021 for me. It was probably one of the best years of my life. It's, I was thinking about this this weekend as, as I was kind of enjoying New Year's and everyone was saying, you know, giant F you to 2021. And, and I was kind of thinking, you know, the year is what you make it. I, I had a great year. I started my new business. I finally got behind my business. Uh, I'm broke because I'm putting all my money into this new business and, and trying to make it go. But who cares? It's, I'm, I, instead of going and working for a crap job, I got a crap boss now, but he lets me work my hours I want to, and oh, I get I to would, drink on the job if I want to. I would take a repeat <laughs> of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just as from a racing standpoint, like I said, I got, I got to race Bristol Speedway. I got two feature wins in a year. Uh, believe it or not, two feature wins, and yet I didn't pick up one single heat race win. Really? That yeah, my average heat race finish was like fifth. So you, average. But you were just setting your car up for the later of the night. Yeah, yeah, That's I was just taking it easy. No, but, you know, two feature wins, average 4.2. And I've, I've told people, I've also learned this year, speed wins features, consistency wins the championship. But all in all, 2021, I thought was a good year. Yeah, absolutely. 2022 uh, is going to be rocking when that guy gets back behind the wheel. Let's talk about 2022. What do you got planned for it? I know you're not going to fill me full of this retirement BS like you've tried to do the last four years because you just <laughs> bought yourself a, uh, a helmet blower. <laughs> well, I figured if I'm going to race every now and then, might as well be comfortable. <laughs> no, it, I have officially said that I've, I've actually, I'm on the downside of my driving. My goal is to be 50 not be sore. I, I want to be 50 years old walking around, and I want to go do some other things in life. Well, when I'm 50, that'll be 2025. So the end of 2024 or the end of 2025, that's when I'm officially going to call today. Now, if somebody who knows me follows my racing pretty good, I've got one car left. When that car gets destroyed in a bad wreck or something, well, then I'm done. I've got a 602 crate motor in there. If it blows up, i got a new one sitting on the shelf. It's ready to go in. Um, if that one blows up and I have no motors, then I'm done. So I'm on the downhill side. I'm just enjoying my time that I get to go racing now. But when how I turn 50, I want to be able to do some other things with my life. How much do you think that helped, that the fact that you don't put the pressure on yourself to win, that you're just out there having fun? I think it helps tremendously. I know for a lot of people, they like to make goals. I, as long as you've known me, I've been, you know, fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. I don't do a lot of goals. I think when you start setting yourself up for goals and you don't meet those goals, I think it can be discouraging and then you lose interest in what you're doing or what you're after. And the next thing you know, you fail. So I, I don't really put too much stress. I just want to have fun go out there. If you have fun doing what you're doing, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, regardless of whatever it is in life, you're going to succeed at it. I've never heard of a, somebody getting up out of bed going, Jesus, I got to go to this job that I hate today just so I can try, you know, you, you, you want to get up and you want to have a sense of purpose and you, you want to be dedicated and true to who you are and what you want to do. 
So, yeah, goals ain't going to happen here. I just want to go out and have fun. Sticking to Crawford County in 22? Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to go back to driving. Actually, I thought about doing a Crawford County on a Friday, maybe Eagle on a Saturday, and the following week, mm-hmm. I-80, followed by Corning. I just wanted to drive back around. And then at the Crawford County uh, Awards Banquet, I issued a Champions Challenge. So I told my crew guy, Jody, I was like, well, now that I've done the Champions Challenge, I kind of have to race here weekly. And yeah. he actually, for him, it works out better with his schedule anyways. Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hit up I-80 a couple of times for some of the specials. Uh, we were getting ready to close out the Cornhusker Classic, and we were going to load up and go home. And I told Jody, he's like, ah, that's it. He's like, did you just look at your lap times? And I was so excited. It was another win for me. I turned a faster lap time than Kevin Zeitner, Josh Mose, and Cody Thompson. I was like, <laughs> it might have been by a thousandth of a second, but by God, it I did it. was faster. <laughs> so uh, kind of up in the air for 22 as far as what you're going to do so far. It'll be, it'll be Denison weekly, but I'm going to throw in some ID specials in there. I'll probably do the Cornhusker Classic. Uh, anybody uh, that wants or that likes to go racing or drive a race car or, or whatever with racing, uh, they need to see both ID and, and uh, Crawford County Speedway. I know IED's got a couple off nights there, and I'm expecting some of those guys to show up on the Fridays that we're racing up at Denison. So, mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to the Silver Dollar Nationals like everybody else to see who can – I want to see if Ricky Thornton Jr. shows up or Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. <laughs> I don't know what Joe has to do to get Kyle Larson to come race that track. Yeah, come on, Joe. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's tried. Trust me. He's he'd tried ra- very hard. He'd have to race on a non-cup weekend. Yeah. Well, easy. That hasn't stopped the fly-by-night, guys. No. Especially with the limited schedule. I mean, Kyle Larson was completely available in the 2021 Silver Dollar Nationals. He could have come and raced that the Silver Dollar Nationals. So where'd he race? He didn't. No, I think he raced down in Florida for a 6,000 to win race. I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but... All I know is he's good in a race car. He's better than I am. He's got a little talent. All right, make sure to thank some of those great sponsors that help you uh, get that that machine up and down the road. I was actually just thinking about you because I had to write a list because I remember a couple of years ago, like... I can't remember all these, but <laughs> I got to thank Rich over at Joe's Carding Racing Parts and Tires and Joe's Carding. Josh Blum up in Sioux City with Artworks Graphics. Cody Novak out of Omaha with Top Notch Lawn Care. Uh, Razor Chassis, Travis Roth. Dynamic Drive Lines, Mike Bennett. Uh, Multi Fire Wires, that's Clay and Doug Money out of Kansas. Dave Daughtry right here in Council Bluffs with Auto Value Parts Stores. Tom Godfrey out of North Carolina with Driven Race Gear. Uh, KH Suspension with Blake Harris and Nick Curlin. Uh, All-Star Performance, they're out of Michigan. Joel Priest with JP3 Transmissions. Kendall Verhaeg, he's out of Gretna with Verhaeg Trucking. And Jim Williams, just north of uh, Omaha here, he's with New Steel Incorporated. Jim, we will get the railing up on the top of the trailer. I've seen all these enclosed trailers. They don't have railings up there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put a railing up there so no one falls off. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody get hurt and fall off. I've seen off. several people fall off, usually kids. Yeah, actually, I believe there was a Crawford County Speedway driver that did that and broke their neck, and that's what prompted me right there. You guys know me. I've, I've fallen off of plenty of buildings with railings. You so. fall up buildings. That's true. That's, yeah, that is true. 
Uh, Buddy Ray Jones, 2021 Crawford County Speedway track champion. Congratulations, man. From the bottom of my heart, congratulations. Thank you. It's, we're, we're still in shock. It's like i got to pinch myself every now and then. Before you know it, it'll be time to get back out to the track. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, we're working on the car now. It's January, so two months? Yeah, three, but yeah. 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 I mean, because it'll be March. Middle of March is when Beatrice usually schedules there. I need two weekends in the car. Frostbuster or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it the Frostbuster that they run? Spring, spring Nationals. Spring Nationals. Spring Flame. Even though there's nothing but spring yeah. about March. No. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. Dirk and I will be back on the front stretch. We all have that coworker that runs their mouth off at how great they are. They shot a five under par, 95 mile an hour fastball, bench press 375, brah. Wouldn't you love to shut them up by schooling them at Joe's Karting? Council Bluffs premier indoor karting track, professionally designed so each corner is your opportunity to embarrass your coworker. Call Buddy for your next company outing at 712-256-5278. Joe's Karting, white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue next to AMC 17. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Taylor Computers and Repair, and I got another laptop for you that I think is going to go over great. Now this one I think is going to be perfect for a student, whether it be high school or college, because it's a 14-inch HP ProBook 640G2 that has been upgraded to a 240-gig solid-state hard drive. This also boasts an Intel i3 2.3 gigahertz processor, and it comes with 8 gigs of RAM and is a Windows 10 Pro. One thing that it comes with that I haven't mentioned yet that is going to be perfect for a student is the fingerprint scanner. It's another level of security that you can take advantage of today. Now, if you want to get more information about this HP 14-inch ProBook 640 G2 for just $450, you can always reach out to me at Tailored Computers and Repair on Facebook. Feather the brake and get back to the gas. Dan and Dirk are headed into turn three on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch presented by Joe's Carney and Council Bluffs online at joescarney.com. God damn it. You know, we forgot, to ask, we forgot to ask Buddy about the Slick Track series. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> I asked him how the Slick Track series was going. He raises his glass and screams this Jimmy Judd. Suddenly, I don't think that's popping his glass. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, the Joe's Carnick Slick Track Series returns. Uh, actually, by the time this interview airs, it's probably been returned, is going again. And according to the posts within the group, everything is going very well. A um, couple of complaints, but I think that's actually a good sign for a bunch of dirt track drivers getting together if there's only a couple of complaints. Yeah, usually there's one complaint per driver. <laughs> the only guy that doesn't complain is the guy that ends up on the top part of the podium. He thought it was a great track, great calls, great officiating. Loved the night. Great night. But anyways, uh, find out more about what Joe's Carding can do. Joe'sCarding.com. Uh, hours, operations, do's, don'ts, tricks of the trade. Joe'sCarding.com. Well, joining us on the show now, uh, Dirk, you helped lock this in, so I appreciate that. But uh, Jimmy Judd joining us on the show. How you doing, man? Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Oh, you're talking a lot louder than the last guy. There you go. <laughs> well, Jimmy took a hiatus and evidently had so much money burning a hole in his pocket, he bought another race car. Remember when we interviewed the guy that had the late model and they were 
you know, racing and having so much success that they just bought a track. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this ain't quite that bad. Oh, okay. But uh, after a few years vacation, how many years were you off? 14 years. You'd think it'd be out of his system in 14 years, but no. You know, to be honest with you, it was, it was the friends and the family that I left behind when I hung up my helmet that drew me back more than anything. I think we as racers, we all have that competitive edge that uh, it never goes away. But the fact that you could do what we do for as long as I did it before I actually hung on my helmet or retired um, and to have the opportunity to get back in to do it and to see the friends and the family that I walked away from all those years ago that you really do lose touch with you you just you keep in touch with some but for the most part you don't see a lot of these uh, these people unless you're at the track and and that was what I missed the most well, I know you, like me, when, when I got out of racing, the officiating side of it, I stayed away from the track for a couple of years. I know you weren't going very much. I stayed away for 14 and a half years and did not come back until last year's Silver Dollar Nationals, and that sealed the deal. So it took one trip back to the track <laughs> to hear those lay models, and I was done. It was, it, that was it. It was over. Well, I, was I, I always hear stories of... I've never gone through AA or rehab or anything like that. It is the Some, worst. Well, they always say that you can't just stop the drug. You have to stop the lifestyle. Crack and don't have nothing on race fuel. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're talking about here. I can tell you, I mean, it's anybody that's been to a dirt track for a consistent amount of time. You meet certain people there that you expect to see them every race night. And, and, and that's just your appointment get-together. And when your life changes just by a fraction and, and, and you don't see them anymore, it's amazing how it's so hard to get that connection again. It is. Uh, I, I had a child. Um, and with this child, it, it accompanied a first-time mother. And at the time, you know, she was having a difficult time, and there was just no way. When I had my firstborn, Mackenzie, we were open dirt touring, so we were doing the MLRA, NCRA, UMP, and basically the Stacker 2 stuff. We'd spend all the time and the effort and the money to upgrade to the open dirt touring late models. And to actually do it, we didn't even consider what it was going to be on the cruise side of it as far as now we're not racing locally. Now we're racing Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and sometimes it's at one track. Well, all my crew that encouraged me to go racing, there's one of them right over there, that said, hey, you got to do this, you got to do this. Well, guess what? He's got t-ball practice. Uh, he's, he's got volleyball practice. Um, he, he's got a bar mitzvah he's got to attend. Yeah. Well, I found myself at the, the track sleeping in the front seat of my pickup truck in the midst of a, a sea of toter homes by myself racing three nights a week. And I'm like, this is, this is just not worth it. Yeah. Having said that, I, you know, absolutely, we don't ever want to use, you know, the birth of a child as an excuse not to go racing. But it made it real easy for me. It's just I can't do this anymore at this particular time. Yeah. So that was what made it, you know, simple for me to basically just, eh, let's stop. But to the gentleman sitting over here, my crew guy, the last time I had really seen him spend any time with him, was probably 2004, 2005 when we were racing weekly series. 
hey, bought a race car. Two days later, he shows up at the shop. <laughs> so 15 years goes by, I don't see these people. This is the family. This is the friendships that I was talking about that yeah. I missed, you know, the most. The reason why I got back into doing what I'm doing. Well, you can say his name, too. It's not against the rules. <laughs> of course, unless he's on the witness protection list or something. No, he's not. He's kind of a quirky fellow. He, uh, he goes by the name of Brad Berhaney. That's his legal name. But to us, he's known as SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, are you keeping his name uh, redacted because his wife doesn't know yet? No. And, and in fact, you know, I was really fortunate for all the years that I raced. I had the same crew. I never had any turnover. And, you know, most guys can't say that. I mean, I raced with the same guys for so long that, you know, I could basically, two minutes before a feature was ready to go, I could give them a list of things. The, the car's up on jack stands. We haven't even touched the car. There's two laps left in the feature before us, and they're standing there with their hands on their spoiler, our spoiler. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, we don't make that adjustment till the very last minute. Yeah. And I knew those guys and trusted them enough to where I could pretty much tell them what to do. Within the span of two or three minutes, we could make four or five changes, depending upon what the track was doing. And, as soon as the jack dropped, I knew that was my time to go, and we'd go. Yeah. Crew guys can be incredibly difficult to come by. Uh, the, the, it, there are so many people out there that is willing to help, but there has to be a trust. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to trust that, uh, that crew guy, crew man, crew woman, what have you, to do exactly what you want them to do, and they don't try to sneak in a change here or there or possibly disagree with what you have to say yeah, and want to do something on their own to see if it works. Well, you've also got to trust that they know how to make the change. And, and that's just it. You know, one of the things that I can say now, having come back after taking as much time as I have uh, being off from the racing scene, is I don't have any qualms about saying that I have forgotten what most of the kids I race against now no. On the other hand, it's a double-edged sword. I'm walking that thin line. What I do know ain't worth a damn. Racing, Not anymore. Racing has changed so much that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, the, the, fortunately for me, the, the, the people that I bought the car from pretty much gave me a turnkey car, 100%. And they said, this is the setup you run. You go out and run it. You don't touch it. So for the last three or four nights, we had a couple of specials there to end the season. I was able to compete in those races. We didn't touch the car. One, I didn't know the direction to tell them to go. Two, the guys were afraid to mess with it. Yeah. Because of the shock technology, because of the spring technology, because of everything is so much more intricate now than what it was used to be before, you know, the seat of your pants told you how to get through the corner. It's not so much anymore. The shock package and the setups that we have today pretty much dictate how the car is going to run. And if you hit it, you hit it. And if you miss it, you're out to lunch. Yep. Well, the shocks, we've talked many times on the show, the shocks have come so far in the last eight or ten years that it's probably the most important part of your setup. I agree. Um, I used to think, and I'm old school, just like you know, a lot of the old timers that were before me, we thought we could drive the car by the seat of the pants. And 
you know, for the most part, I can. Uh, you know, that's a muscle memory in your butt cheeks that you don't forget. But there's so much more to the suspension and the geometry to these vehicles. Uh, momentum is an absolute killer. I found myself on more than one occasion doing okay and passing quite a few cars, and then I would mess up in one corner, and then I'd turn around and have to spend two or three laps to pass that same car back that I had just gotten around. Yeah, well, that's a lot of that has to do with, you know, the engine packages with some of these crate engines and stuff like that. You know, they don't have the throttle response. Um, they don't have the, the torque curve or the horsepower curve, you know, to, to just jump back in it. No, you pretty much have to wind them up and leave them wound up. And I'm, I, de I shouldn't say this. I'm, I'm going to say it candidly, though. I detest the crates. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm more, I, 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 want, I want the horsepower, I want to use it, but it is a different, it is as close to the limited late model racing that we had back in the 90s, early 2000s, well, that's before, what, the, before the crates came on scene. So I'm familiar with it. I just, you know, if you got the difference between 850 horsepower or 450 horsepower, you know, any late model junkie like myself is going to want more power. More power solves all that ills you. It's all we need. Yeah, but uh, with a crate engine, you're not going to get it. Well, and, you know, the thing is, is with that crate engine now that, I don't know, what, what are they going for, darn near eight grand now for a crate? And then, and then you add another $2,000 for a set of headers, and you add another $2,000 for a carburetor. And next thing you know, these crate engines, you know, we're up into half the price of an open motor. Yeah. All uh, for well, and, half the horsepower. And, and that's the problem that Dirk and I, Dirk's talked about it, we've talked about it on the show a thousand times. It's the cubic dollar. The cubic dollar. And, and quite frankly, I see a little more sadistically than anybody else that it's the suppliers preying on that competitive nature. You want to get faster? I've got this one that, that's a little bit better uh, yes, it costs three and a half times more, but it's better. And, and you're going to win with that one. I'm as guilty as anybody. It, you know, it, can I get an extra five horsepower? Is that extra five horsepower going to gain me one or two more positions? If, if it's going to help me be more competitive, will I spend that extra $1,000 for that carburetor that I can get from, you know, Speedway Motors that's a, a decent carburetor, and I'm sure it runs fine for 1000 but I've got to go to a total custom carburetor, you know, that's, and that's the name of the company of the carburetor that I use for an additional thousand for that five horsepower that I might get. Yeah. And yeah. we're all guilty of it. We do it. And we don't think twice about it. You were talking about adding up all the stuff to, you know, end up at about half what cost of the open motor. One thing you did not mention is with that crate motor, you have probably about 20% of the maintenance as opposed to the open motor. I don't, you know, I'll be, I'll be truthfully, I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's 10% of the maintenance. I think every, you know, what, six, seven, eight nights, we got to change a set of valve springs. Um, I haven't touched mine, and I've put four nights on it. I think we changed the oil. I'm running a different oil than a lot of people would, so I can probably stretch my oil usage two, six to eight nights, somewhere right around in there. But the downside of that is, 
you know, the oil that I run in my engine is roughly $15 a quart. So it's, you know, it's two to three times more expensive than most. But still, you know, for, for the most part, I have not touched my engine since it's been in that car. So that is where the crate has come a long way that is valuable to the sport in keeping the maintenance costs down. We don't have those six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollar engine builds that we would normally have if we were running an open motor. Mm -hmm. The sad thing is, is 40, 50 nights, you know, you basically throw the crate away, sell it off, let somebody build something, you know, out of it if you can, or, you know, you, you purchase another one. But it's, it's that initial expense, that ten to twelve thousand dollars to outfit an additional crate if you decide to stay in the class and race that particular engine again after it's done. I think I go back 12, 13, 14 years, I ran the same engine, and that was a two-barrel motor. Never had an engine failure, never had a problem, and it cost me rings and bearings every year to freshen that the entire time I raced a limited light model. Never popped one. Now I'm terrified that I'm going to blow up a twelve, thirteen thousand dollar crate and shit. Give that wood no. table a good knock for you, would you? There you go. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, that's you get any salt? That's the thing with the crate engine, though. That crate engine's not built to the same blueprinted specs as what your engine was 14 years ago. That is true. That is true. But you know what? It, it, there is a little giggle in the back of my in the back of my mind when I hear that crate. It doesn't sound like an open motor. You're not going to get the, nobody is going to come to my shop and listen to my engine purr in that dirt lay model because it, let's just face it, it's just, it's, it's a little down on horsepower, but it I, runs. I it, don't know any better, so I'd come listen to it. <laughs> well, I, you got beer, Dan will come listen. I, I do have beer. The pop machine is usually stocked and there's a fridge there that's full and ready to go. I do have a set of Wilds Performance headers on that car and they have a different sound. So on about every third or fourth firing note, it sounds like there's a rod coming out of the pan. So if you want some excitement, you show up at the shop, we fire up the engine, and it sounds like it's spitting a rod out of the bottom <laughs> of the motor. That's about as, the most ex excitement you're going to get out of a crate. <laughs> what are your plans for 2022? Uh, I need seat time. Uh, there was nothing more depressing uh, showing up when we did with the car, and I hadn't been behind the wheel for about 14 years, and making every show. I really wanted to run some B features so I could extend my seat time, so I could get more comfortable with the car, but after about the 10th, 12th lap, and the guys and I talked about it on the first night, you know, we said, we're just going to hang around in the back, and we're going to, we're just going to work our we're going to do our own thing. We're not going to even try to compete with these guys. But all it took was the drop of the green flag, and I was right back to where I was 14 <laughs> years ago. And uh, yeah, so basically, the initial thought was that, you know, just take our time, get some seat time, and we'll see where it goes. Our plan is to pretty much run this crate uh, for about a half a year. And we're going to start putting together another car and another motor, an open motor. And uh, we're going to step up to the SLMR. That's, that's what our goal is. That's our plan. Uh, the SLMR, because they have so many engine packages, uh, it gives us a variety of opportunity to basically, you know, run local, regional. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really going to give us the opportunity to run any uh, Lucas or World of Outlaw shows like I'd like to do. But, 
Having said that, I'm nowhere near ready, nor capable. I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the support to actually do any of the Turing stuff right now. But so we're, we're gonna focus on the SLMR series towards the end of the year. But for the time being, it's gonna be the crates. Now I know I-80 still has a contract with the Lucas Oil Late Models for the Silver Dollar Nationals. Yep. I believe it's through the 2024 season, or it might be 2025. So you could run a Lucas Oil Late Model well, let's, show. Well, let's just hope the track don't sell. <laughs> or, or if it does, there's somebody that wants to buy it. That's, absolutely, and leave it the track. Yeah. You know, leave it as a track. Yeah. You'd have done better doing that than getting back in a race car. I should have bought a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Joe would get you a good deal on that track. I'm sure he would. <laughs> uh, now, did you run the 95 uh, in your previous life? Yeah, or? That's, 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 and you know, the funny story uh, behind that number is when I first started racing at Sunset Speedway, um, this, you know, and this is... It was either 93 or 94 I showed up with an old Rayburn. And there was so many cars. The car count was so high that there was only two numbers available. And that was 95 and 43. And I did not want to have Richard Petty's number. I can't believe nobody took Richard Petty's number. 43 was the alt. Once I took 95, 43 was the only number not taken. Wow. And that was how I ended up with it. How I ended up with the X on the end of it. At one track, I was 95. At another track, somebody else was 95. And it was Jeff Bonney. His grandfather had that number. His father had that number. It was, it was handed down over the, over the years. So I gladly, being a rookie, I don't care. I'll put an X, put a J, put a yeah. whatever on the back of it. And that was pretty much how I got, you know, I ended up with that number. Uh, talk a little bit about the Cornhusker Classic. I, was, I wasn't being bored and, and looking like stuff on my phone. I was looking at your results from the Cornhusker Classic. And uh, decent results. I mean, in the feature, I think you on the final night, you went from 13th to 9th. Uh, in a class that's a stacked field like that, and at that track that there is incredibly talented late model drivers out there, uh, that's not too bad for your second night back in 14 years. Well, as I was... Uh, talking to you about us not really comfortable with messing with the car. I think there were something like 52 heat races on that track Yeah, that night. So the track was slick. I, it was slick. And we left the car alone. So we did not have the best car. All we needed to do was focus on turning a competitive, clean lap without hurting the car, basically. So... Overall, I think we, we did well above and beyond what I yeah. thought we would do. What really surprised me was the uh, I-80 points championship night, which I believe was the night before. We never had a good starting spot the entire two or three nights that we ran to finish out the season. We were somewhere in the 13 to 18 range for the most part. But that very first race, I think we made it up to fifth. <laughs> and I swear, there... I don't know how many Jorgensons there are on the racetrack, but I swear I passed 40 of them. No, <laughs> anywhere from three to five. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It was yeah. every time I turned around, it was a Jorgensen car. And how it happened was, is I would get by one, and then I'd stumble due to lack of lap time, and I'd fall back five, six, seven spots. And then I'd have to turn around past these guys again. Yeah. And I swear not a one of them dropped out of the top ten. So I passed 40 Jorgensons in 15 laps <laughs> over and over and over I, and over. I, and I still finished fifth or sixth. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it was. I know Dave raced. 
I think Jim raced a little bit this year. Uh, no, Jim, no, 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 that Jim was, was last Jim, year. Jim was my mentor. Yeah. I showed up as a punk kid, didn't know what I was doing, and Jim Jorgensen took me under his wing, and he was the one that helped me get started. Yeah, I don't remember if Jim raced at I-80. I know he ran one night at Harlan, but Dave Sr., Dave Jr., and all three of the boys all ran one night at Harlan, five of them on the track at one yeah. time. Out what? of what, 13, 13 cars, I think? Probably, Something yeah. like that? Yeah. The last time I raced with Jimmy Jorgensen was 1998, I-80 Speedway. Um, the funny thing about it was Jim's been racing for years and years and years. Oh, yeah, six months of six I mean, years. Well... He had not had enough laps in the limited late model class in 1998 at I-80 Speedway that they classified him as a rookie. As a rookie. Jim, Jim Jorgensen as a rookie. <laughs> we were running one and two in points. Yeah, I think I was second in points that year. 19, yeah, it was 1998. I ended up with Rookie of the Year because... Jim Jorgensen refused to accept the rookie trophy because he's like, look, I'm not a rookie. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is insane. I think yeah. I finished second in points that year and got rookie of the year all because Jorgensen said, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Well, Luke Cocker was going for rookie of the year for the Nebraska 360s, its final year. But he hurt his car and hurt himself and didn't make it back out. But uh, anyways, uh, Jimmy Judd joining us on the show. <laughs> Hey, Jimmy, why don't you, uh, you did mention earlier about some of the support you got. Why don't you thank a few of them sponsors? Uh, I'd really like to thank uh, Braden Dillinger, uh, Jeff Dillinger, Braden Dillinger Motorsports. They were the ones that uh, set me up with the car. Barrier race cars, obviously. We, uh, we've got some good support coming from uh, Brian at B&B Plumbing. Uh, can't thank him enough for stepping up and, and helping us out. Um, Nebraska-Iowa Helicopter is another really good sponsor that we got. Um, the accumulation of the support that I got, some of it, a good chunk of it is left over from when I quit racing years and years ago, came back aboard to help wow. us you know, out. Eagle Services is another one. Uh, my crew, I got some of my original crew guys back, so that made the transition, getting back into racing so much more easier. So. With the help of the, the marketing partners and the sponsorship that we have, along with my crew, it's made the transition, you know, a lot more sensible than, you know, what it would be. You know, you can say I started out from scratch, and I, I, I did, but, man, I had a lot of help and a lot of backing behind me to get to where I'm at now. Yeah, it's, we were talking about it uh, when I stopped at your shop there a week ago that uh, it hasn't gotten any cheaper, and you know absolutely nothing about racing again. <laughs> you know, this is this is no different than beating a dead horse. I think <laughs> no, there is nothing uh, about you know. Obviously, with the cost of you know our racing fuel, inflation, everything, everything is going to go up. So you can expect some of it. Uh, the the cost of of what we're dealing with now, uh, I suppose you know, ten years from now, it's going to be the same. So. Those, those gentlemen with our competitive uh, spirit, I should say, we're going to eat it. I mean, we're going to, regardless of the purses that we race for. You know, if you can give me that one position or that one horsepower, I think those of us that still do this or are trying to do this are going to continue to do this regardless of the cost. 
And then once it gets to the point to where it's, it's dwindled down, you'll notice in the car counts where it becomes just, it's no longer cost prohibitive and when we lose the cars. Even to this day, I remember one of the last races that I ran at IED Speedway, we had double D features. We had a car count of over 80 limited layouts for one show. You know, now we're lucky to get 15, 20, 25. I think 30 would be a pretty stacked field on any given night for a weekly show if they even get that much. It almost takes a special to accumulate that many cars now. So it's definitely hurt us. So what was your final season? 2006 or seven? Uh, 2004, five, we were running Blackbird Bend because they paid the most. Um, I think we took off 2006 and we built a supermotor. Bill Hendren out of Rutherfordton, North Carolina built us a really nice big cubic inch SB22 and we went open dirt touring. And I think that was 2007, we ran about five nights and then I had a baby girl and that was it. So let me, let me just date you just a little bit if you don't mind. Nope, go right ahead. Uh, prior to the Cornhusker Classic in 2021, there was no such thing as an iPhone when you were racing. No, <laughs> no there was not. The Phoenix Mars Lander launched. Uh, a gallon of gas? I don't even want to know. $3.38. Yep, sounds about right. I think we were paying that oh, for... Just last week. I think, <laughs> I think we were paying that for race fuel back then. Uh, Nelly Furtado was on the charts, along with Nickelback. That oh, was a big one. Great. <laughs> Nickelback played a concert at I-80. Remember did? that? Really? 2000, that was a Craig Kelly deal. Uh, 02 or 03? Yeah, I was around for that. I was still working. Hmm. And Come on, you're on a roll. Keep going. Let's see. That can't be right. Tesla Roadster, the world's most efficient electric car, uh, is shown to be in full production in 2008. So... Yeah, it's been a while. I was really struck by the iPhone deal. You know, I, was, I was trying to find it. It was pre-Facebook, but Facebook launched three years prior to you retiring. I quit when I was in my prime. I, you know, in, granted, I'm not a fossil as of yet, but <laughs> even, at the age of, even at the age of 50, uh, you know, I'm nowhere near what I once was. I, I know that physically. I literally, I had a really hard time. I had a tough time holding on to the car. The car literally beat the tar out of me. And to be able to manhandle these things now, to give the car what it wants, uh, it, it takes a considerable amount of effort that my rotator cuffs just don't have. Forearm pump, I mean, you name it, I felt it. Literally, I think the guys had to undo my window neck because I couldn't climb out on my own the first time, first night we went out. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'm not, it's going to take a little while for me to even remotely get close. Not that I'll ever be as competitive as what I once was winning features all the time, but you know what? If I can just experience, you know, being around the, the family and the friends and, and uh, maybe just an ounce of that competitive desire, it's a win-win for me. Do you ever hit the gym to just try to strengthen strengthen? No, but I on? need to, and I tell you, the whole reason I came back racing is I suffered a suffered a uh, bout of cancer and battled it for two and a half years. And basically it was my oncologist that said, you know, you need to get your butt back out. You know, you've got to have a reason to do 
yeah. something, get out of bed, and, you know. Other, otherwise, you know, I'd probably be just sitting at my shop, not doing yeah. a whole heck of a lot of anything. So this has been good for me mentally and physically, other than I hurt a hell of a lot more, <laughs> you know, literally. What do you do for your 9 to 5? Uh, I've got a welding shop that I've had for going on its 22nd year. It's Judd Performance Welding and Fabrication. Um, years ago, it basically started out, you know, helping all the racers. I, my niche is more of the aluminum variety, but magnesium, titanium, stainless steel, chromoly, that type. I'm a TIG welder, so um, back in the day when I was running CJ's parts, they were hard to come by for me because I didn't have the money. So my business basically started from me replicating the uppers and the lower control arms and the fifth arms and a lot of chassis modifications, you know, back in the day, I've done a lot of work for various guys as far as, you know, front and rear stubs and bumpers and stuff like that. And that was yeah. what supplemented my income to allow me to race. Now, I know I've seen in your shop several times uh, semi uh, deer guards and stuff that you're fixing up. <laughs> a little bit of everything comes into the door of my shop. I never know. I, it's, it's, a, it's a who's who on any given Sunday of what's going to show up. So, I mean, that's the nice thing is, is I'm not... I don't do that nine to five job to where I'm required to do the same manufacturing thing over and over and over. I never know what's going to come through the door and there's never an instruction manual to complete the job. Yeah. You know, you just got to figure it out. And he's a collector of mini bikes. <laughs> no, no. Really? No, my mom denied me one when I was a kid. I'd worked an entire summer and saved up and bought one and pushed that thing three quarters of a mile all the way home because I didn't have a nickel to put in the gas tank. I leaned it up against the front porch, ran into the house. Mom, look what I got. I was so proud. I was as proud as a puppy with two Peters. She come out and took one look at it and says, your attitude sucks. You don't deserve that. Take it back. <laughs> I pushed that mini bike three quarters of a mile back crying the entire way. I think I was 10 or 11. Yeah. So ever since then, every time a little mini bike comes up, brings back a little taste of the childhood, I try to pick it up. When I can. <laughs> We've been talking with Jimmy Judd, driver of the 95X machine. You'll see him uh, throughout the area in a Bragg and Wright late model. To start the season, yes, To sir. start the season, then hopefully graduating up and taking on the super late model class uh, in the super late model touring series that's uh, around the Midwest. It's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Uh, actually, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Big thanks to Quaker Steak and Luby Council Plus for letting us come down and record the interviews. Big thanks to Taylor Computers and Repairs for supporting the front stretch. We'll be back next week to do it all over again. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the front stretch.